Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. If you've ever started a workout routine, one of the first places they're going to start is your core. Now, you have one. It's the muscles around here, muscles around the back. You may not see them, uh, but they're there. They're down in there somewhere. And if you start a workout routine, any video, any personal trainer, they're going to get you to a place where your core is stronger because when your core is stronger physically, then you're less likely to get injured. Uh, Your muscles are all working together uh, and everything else, uh, whether you're on the sports field or not, or just trying to get in shape, everything else gets stronger. Well, we're starting this series today called The Core, and it's about our three core beliefs that we have as a church. Because if we have some very centrally focused beliefs and convictions and values, it's going to help us be healthier. So if you're here for the first time today, this is a great time to learn a little bit more about our church. If you've been here for a while, you're going to hear and maybe even be reminded of, this is why we want to stay focused. Because when we focus on the core things that we're really about, it's easier to know what to say no to. It's easier to know what to say yes to. It's easier to discern, well, how do we spend God's money that people generously give? Well, when we know what our core values and convictions are, it's much easier because our core values and convictions guide us. It's the same thing in your life. The things you hold the closest to your heart, your core convictions, your core values, they guide you. Whatever those are, if your core value and conviction is, I want to have a strong family, well, then that's going to guide the way you spend your time. If your core value and conviction is at this point in life, I'm going to be great academically, well, that's going to guide how you spend your time. If you want to make more money, that's going to guide what you choose to do for a living or what you choose to major in. Our core values, beliefs, and convictions guide what we do as individuals, they guide what we do as a family, and they definitely guide what we do as a church. So the three that we have at LifePoint that, that we started sharing 18 months or so ago, I was on a retreat and I was thinking, how can we just reduce everything we believe? Because there's a lot of things. If we listed everything we believe, like it'd be this long list, but how can we reduce it to the, the core beliefs that really guide us? that make us do what we do. And here's, here they are. Jesus changes everything. People grow in community and you were made for a mission. If everybody figures that out, if everybody experiences that, you'll be healthier, our church will be healthier. And as we move forward in our mission of helping people connect with God, we will be more effective at it. If you've noticed in our county, in our area, it continues to grow. The roads get more crowded, don't they? Every year, it seems like, where did these people come from? And they're still building over here. We used to share that 63 people a day knew uh, are moving to. Our, our county's growing by 63 people a day. Uh, that's not even accurate now. A year later, it's 68 people per day crowding our roads and schools and tearing down beautiful fields to build beautiful homes. Now, whether you like that or not, here's what you need to know. 
Whose responsibility is it to help those new people get connected with God? It's not somebody else's. If you are a follower of Christ and you call this your church home, it is our responsibility to do our part to the best of our abilities to connect people with God. And so today I'm going to start with the first of our core beliefs and unpack what we mean by that when we say Jesus changes everything. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you'd like one of those, raise your hand. It's yours to keep. So anything in life that we do requires, we do a value or that we accomplish requires us to change. If you want to make more money, you got to do hard work. If you want to get better grades, you got to study harder. If you want to make a large purchase in your life, you need to save up and discipline yourself and change and be able to purchase whatever you want to purchase. If you want to achieve anything in life, you have to be willing to change in your life. If you want to overcome a bad habit or an addiction, you have to be willing to change. You have to be able be willing to admit you have a problem and be willing to admit you want to put the hard work in in order to change. So the most important things I need in life are going to require change. You know, one of the big themes in Jesus's ministry is simply this. Over and over, in many different ways, Jesus tried to tell people, there's a better way. There's a better way than the way you're currently living. If you're down and depressed and life has you feeling like you're just beat up, well, Jesus has a better way. If relationships in your life are continuing to crumble and fall apart, Jesus says to you, I've got a better way. If you're overscheduled and overworked and overstressed, Jesus says to us, I have a better way. If you're confused and hurt and doubtful, well, Jesus says to you, I've got a better way. The consistent thought throughout his ministry is simply this. He has a better way for all that we do. And we're going to look at an episode in Jesus's ministry and see how by one simple interaction with a group of people, it radically altered the course of their life and changed everything about them. And it's recorded in the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 5. In the New Testament, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of the ministry of Jesus. And they're told from different perspectives, written to different audiences. And so they may tell the same story, but maybe tell it from a different perspective or in a different way. Like if you had to go out of here and talk about, well, what was that service like? You might tell somebody, they, they played this song that just had me in tears. Or the pastor said these words and it just really, it really changed the way I think about things. Both of those things are true, but they're just told from a different perspective. And that's when you read the messages about Jesus's ministry, that's what's happening. So this story in Luke chapter 5 is also told in the book of Matthew, but they're told from different perspectives. And here's where it begins, verse 1. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now, we don't know what Jesus was teaching, but we do know that whatever he was teaching was causing a large crowd to show up. Think of a big concert or a big rally or a solar eclipse or something that's causing people 
to show up. Everybody got their glasses? Right? Do you have them? I don't have any for sale, but I bet you can get some for like 50 bucks somewhere. My family and I realized we weren't going to be together on the eclipse day. And, you know, people say, uh, some people say, well, that's when Jesus is coming back. You can just find that if you want to scare yourself. Go read, the, read those articles and, and post about it's the end of time, the world as we know it, everything's going to change. And I, I told Cinda and the girls, I said, look, if, if they're right and Jesus comes back and we're not all together, uh, when you get up to the gates... Uh, <laughs> Ask for me because I've got reserved seats and we can hang out and we'll get to see each other. So picture Jesus in this big crowd of people who are showing up, like we tend to gather for things, and they're listening to him teach. And whatever he's saying is causing more and more people to gather. And they're actually trying to get closer. They wouldn't have had a microphone. So he's having to just speak as loud as he can and count on, you know, the echo and all that so everybody can hear. And people are getting closer and they're pressing in on him. And then he decides, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in this boat and, and speak from there so more people can hear me. And the boats that are sitting there were sitting there in the morning because the fishermen had done what fishermen do, and that is they fish all night because then they, didn't, they couldn't get down really deep in the sea. And so they would have to fish at night when the water was cool and the fish would come to the top. They'd throw their nets in and they would catch fish. And so they've had a long night of fishing. They're cleaning their nets, they're drying them up, or hanging them up, they're drying them off to go home and get some sleep so they can come back the next night and start the whole thing over again. And this large crowd is there, Jesus gets in one of the boats, and here's what happens. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now remember, there's a big crowd. Uh, at this point, Peter, who is a professional fisherman, who's also called Simon, he's this professional fisherman, it's what he does for a living, and he's got to be thinking, okay, Jesus, uh, you're a great teacher. You're not a fisherman. You fish at night. When the fish are at the top, my nets aren't big enough to go to the bottom. Uh, we're experts, so let me explain this to you, Jesus. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. He recognizes Jesus is this person of authority because of his teaching. He's saying, I recognize by the way you teach that you're in charge that you've got authority, that you have some kind of special revelation from God, but you don't know fishing. We fished all night and nothing happened. But if you say so. In other words, he's just kind of patronizing Jesus a little bit. It's like when your kids, when you want them to do something and that you know they don't want to do it and you know they're thinking in their mind, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But they say to you, if you say so, if you say so, I'll do this. Mom, dad, this makes no sense. I don't understand it. But if you say so. And in parents, we say, yeah, it's fine. If I say so, you are right. You know, <laughs> if I say so, you are correct. But sometimes our kids just say, all right, I don't agree. But if you say so. Well, that's what he's doing with Jesus. He's saying, I don't think this is going to work. And I wouldn't do this for anybody, Jesus, but for you. You're an authoritative teacher. I've been listening to you teach. 
and I'm impressed. I'm not sure it's the best idea to let these nets down. I think it's a waste of time, but I will do it. So they put their nets in the water, and the next verse says this. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. So they listened to Jesus teach. Maybe some of you are here today. You're just here listening. You have no plans to take it beyond this. You're just listening and something keeps drawing you back. You like the music. You like what you hear. Uh, we try to keep it at an hour. And so you just listen. That's what they were doing. They were just showing up and listening. They weren't thinking about what the next step might be past listening, but they were just listening. And then they moved from listening to when they started to interact with Jesus, they were doubting. Well, you say put the nets down. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Who catches fish in the middle of the day? It doesn't work that way. And so they doubted. Can you doubt and still follow Jesus? Yes, you can. So they listened. They were doubting. And then Jesus came through and proved to them gave proof that they could trust him and they were all amazed. In fact, Peter was so amazed, a few seconds ago he was saying, if you say so, and the next second he was saying, I'm a wretched sinner. Like he's right and I'm wrong and they just are amazed that this teacher not only teaches with authority, he does miraculous things. He makes things happen when we don't understand how they happen. He can orchestrate things in a life that there's no other way to explain other than something supernatural from the outside happened. And that's what they find out. And they're afraid. And so just like Jesus would say to us, he says to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They heard him. They expressed their doubts. He proved himself. And then they end up leaving everything to follow Jesus. Now, this is the same story you can read, out, read about also in the book of Matthew that just simply says, Jesus said, follow me, and they followed him. But when Luke describes it, he goes into great detail so people will understand and he actually wrote this from interviewing people who were there. So he got a little more information and he figured out, well, these folks really left everything. I need to tell the backstory. So he tells the whole story of how they got to the hearing Jesus say the words, follow me. So what Jesus is essentially saying, you've heard me, you've seen me, you've experienced what I can do, now follow me. And they did it at once. He said, follow me and I'll help you fish for people. Okay, I'll take you up on that, Jesus. Let's go. Nobody said, now wait a minute, hold on. How did you do that? Nobody said, there's no record of that. Nobody says, I need to go home and work a little longer. I need to fish a couple more years so I can make more money so I can do this responsibly. 
Nobody said, I gotta go get all this stuff in order before I can go. They just went and followed Jesus because of who he was. Now today, we would call that very irresponsible. You would. If somebody said to you, oh man, I found Jesus, I'm stopping everything, I'm totally changing the direction of my life. Quit my job, leaving school, all that, just, just going, going with him. Parents, you have kids in college. Imagine if they came home and said, I met this guy, he's got a beard and wears like a dress thing and, and sandals and, and I'm gonna go with him. I've already withdrawn from all of my classes. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. And parents, you would not say, okay, well, that's great, honey. You would say, uh, no, I don't think that's how it's gonna work. They didn't even think about all that stuff. They just went. They just took off. And here's what they discovered that day. They discovered that after encountering Jesus, you cannot go back to your old way of life. After you've experienced what Jesus can do in your life, you can't go back to the old you. You just can't do it. Because he changes everything. Every fall, when it gets closer and closer to September the 21st, I remember that's the day that I said yes to Jesus. As a directionless college kid, trying to find my way in the world, somebody invited me to a Bible study and everything changed when I found Jesus. Everything. The way I talked changed. What I did for extracurricular activities changed. What I did on Thursday and Friday nights changed. The people I hung around with and got, got, got advice from life and looked to for direction changed. Everything changed. I didn't just say, hey, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm going to add Jesus to make my life better. And sometimes as teachers, unintentionally, we present Jesus in such a way that it sounds like, and it's never intentional, but it sounds like if I just add Jesus to what I'm doing, my life is going to get better. No. You can add a gym membership and your life might get better. You can add some spending controls in your life and things might get better. You can focus on some unhealthy relationships and things might get better. But you can't just add Jesus to your life and things get better. Jesus is not an add-on to make my current life better. You don't add Jesus to your life. You follow him with all of your life. When he's an additive to your life, it's about you and what you want. It's, when you just add Jesus to your life, what you're experiencing right here, it just becomes about you and what you want and how you feel and what you feel like you get from it. But when you give Jesus all of your life, all of the sudden, what you want is secondary to what's best. And maybe what you want is not always what's best. The question is, it's not, how can I add Jesus to my hectic life? It's how can I reorder my life now that I'm a follower of Christ? And if you're wondering why you don't feel like Jesus has made a big difference in your life, maybe it's because you just added him to what you are already doing instead of putting him above everything and letting him change everything. Every week when you come here, I have an agenda. It's not a hidden agenda, but it's an agenda. 
It's an agenda that something would happen in this 60 minutes that would inspire you to take another step. That would inspire you to do something else, whether that's pray, whether that's work on something at home or work on something inside of you you need to work on, whether it's taking the next step and following Christ in baptism or saying, I've never believed in Jesus, but today I do. Whatever it is, my goal and my prayer as I sat in my car this morning and looked over these notes again to see if there was something else that God had for me to say, every single week I, I pray, God, Use your spirit to move people to take a next step to where today would just not be neutral. Whether it's something I say or don't say or can't say well, whatever it is, use it to inspire people to take a next step. So all the people in the boat that day took a step. They started listening, they doubted, but they ended up taking a step and following Jesus with all of their life. So here's how Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes my identity. The people in this story moved from fishermen to followers. And if you're a follower of Christ, he has new ways for you to act and think and be. And no longer is success measured by what you do, but it's measured by who you are and who Christ has made in you. And you might think, well, I'm not ready because I have doubts. If we can't follow Jesus and have doubts, then we are all in a lot of trouble. We all have a big awakening if we think we can't follow Jesus and still doubt because the guys in this boat were doubting him 30 seconds before they followed him. So can you have doubts and still believe and follow Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus also brings a change of leadership. For my way to his way. Peter said, well, because you say so, we will. And there are times when you follow Christ, you do the right thing, not because you want to, not because it feels good, but because it's the right thing. You do the right thing regardless of where your emotions are because it's the right thing. Because you are no longer the leader of your life, Jesus is the leader of your life when you follow him. And now you're following a leader who cares for the poor, the oppressed, those who are misled, those that we might detest. You're following a leader who shows how to love everybody, like them or not. That's the kind of leadership that Jesus brings into our life. Where sometimes we have to say, Jesus, I'm going to love them because you said so. That's the only reason I'm going to love that person or that group of people, simply because you said so. And Jesus also changes my purpose. Peter and the others in the boat went from fishing for fish to fishing for people. And when I follow Jesus, everything I do changes. So whatever you do for a living is now not what you do for a living. What you do for a living is your opportunity to help people who aren't connected with God get connected with him. It's your opportunity to find people who don't know Jesus, who are far from God, and help them take steps towards knowing him. 
So whether you sell something, buy something, produce something, or say something, whatever it is you do, all of a sudden your purpose in that is not that. It's how that can be used to help people who are far from God be closer to him. Your purpose changes. Have you ever met anybody like that? At my local grocery store that I go to, there's a guy there, he's like that. Never been in there and not seen the guy smiling, not see him engaging in conversation with people. And you don't have to have a conversation long to know this guy is crazy in love with Jesus. And he doesn't mind who he tells. He will follow you to the car telling you these big tales and stories and encouraging you. That guy is not an employee at a grocery store. That guy's a follower of Christ who happens to work at a grocery store and sees his purpose as something greater than just what he does to collect that paycheck. Followers of Christ look for people who are far from God. That's our job. We're his plan. His plan to get his life-changing message to the world is you. In all of your imperfections, and all of your mistakes and even doubts, his plan is still you. He's still banking on you saying, I'm gonna let my purpose in life not be what I do, but be who God created me to be. You don't have, now sometimes people do this, but you don't have to quit your job and become a pastor or move overseas and be a missionary. Jesus might radically change your life like that, and that may be such a desire inside of you that you have to do it. And that's the case for many people. But also for many people, it's stay right where you are, but become a follower of Christ in such a way that draws other people to him in your day-to-day -day life. Jesus invites us to live in ways we've never lived and do things we've never done for a result we could never get on our own. So then, this guy Peter and his buddies who heard Jesus say, come and follow me and you will fish for people. Jesus is saying to them, you think that's a lot of fish? Oh, let me tell you about the people that you're gonna catch with the love of God. Because a few years later, this same guy named Peter stood up in front of thousands of people at a big religious festival. It's recorded in the book of Acts, specifically in chapter two. And Peter stands up and tells people who Jesus is and why Jesus died and the fact he was resurrected. And he gets to the end of this sermon about Jesus who had had a ministry, been unjustly killed, but also raised from the dead. And he gets to the end of it and it says that these people were convicted in their hearts. They were cut to the heart. Something in them made them feel like, oh man, that really touched me. That really hit me. And they responded to him with, what do we need to do? How do we need to fix this? What do I need to do? And we all get there at a place in life where we're saying, what do I need to do? I've been listening. God has answered prayers. God has clearly worked in ways I don't understand. What do I need to do? Or you're at a place where you're not sure what the next step in life needs to be, and you're hurting. Something bad has happened, and you're thinking, what do I need to do? That's what these people are asking. What do we need to do? And Peter tells them some very simple things to do, but they are heavy. He tells them to repent, which means change the way you're living. Turn and walk in a new direction. He tells them to be baptized. 
And he tells the people who do that, you want to have a new life? This is your pathway to a new life, believing in Jesus, saying, I want my sins forgiven and I want to walk and live in a new way. And those of you that do that, he says, you need to be baptized. And then this fisherman who doubted if Jesus could fill these nets with fish and was pretty sure it was a really dumb thing to do, who all of a sudden saw these nets filled with fish, was promised that he would fish for people. And a guy who started out just listening to Jesus because he happened to be in proximity heard these words or witnessed this. Acts 2 verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. If he had not followed Jesus with everything, he would have just been back at the lake fishing every night. That's why this is one of our core beliefs. Because we believe that when you understand and when our city understands Jesus changes everything, a lot of other things will get taken care of. All the stuff you see playing out in the news and all the nasty stuff you see happening, people saying nasty things about somebody else you just you read about online, all that. I believe Jesus changes everything and he can change that too. Because it won't be changed without him. And your life won't be changed without him. So Jesus changes everything or he changes nothing. There is no in-between. There is no, Jesus, I'm just going to let you change a little bit of my life, but not the whole thing. And he was like, well, it's an all or nothing deal with me. Let me change everything. He says, follow me and I can use you in ways you could never imagine. Now, some of you need to take a step today. Some of you, as I've talked and you've been listening, you've run through doubts in your mind. Doubts are okay. Listening gets you to your next step, but it's time to take a step. Maybe for you, you've followed Christ for years and you just haven't allowed him to be over all of your life. Well, let it be today that he is. And that's simply by saying, Jesus, I have not followed you with all of my life like I committed to do so. I want to start now. And we would guide you through a prayer or you could pray that right there. And some of you have never taken the step and said, I believe in him and it's not gonna be easy, but I want everything to change. You need to take a step because Jesus will change everything. And some of you have done that and for whatever reason, you've never followed Christ in baptism. And if you believe in Jesus, that is something you need to do. Jesus did it. He encouraged, he commanded that his followers do it. And when Jesus preached, or when Peter preached the first message about the resurrected Christ, 3,000 people said yes to Jesus and got baptized. That could be you today. Because Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. God, we pray for people here that need to take a step. That as we sing, as we watch the screens, that they would take that step. I pray this in Jesus' name.